You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I wanted to, we're in a series of gratefulness, and, and I, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, Pastor Matt, but I'm so grateful for you. And uh, I don't know, I've been emotional all day, so if I cry, like... Last, last time I preached on Fight Club, and now I might cry through the whole message, so just deal with it. But I was so offended by you in the beginning. I think the first time I met you, you were driving a convertible Porsche, and I could not handle it. But, but what's amazing is you refused to change, and, and you helped adjust so many broken things in my life. You've been like a best friend, like a big brother to me that I needed. You've sown into my marriage when it was almost on the brink of divorce. You've helped me see constantly little things in my life that I need adjusting and, and I'm just grateful for you. Everybody needs a Pastor Matt in their life. You're such a good friend. You're such a great leader. You're such a great husband and dad. You guys can be seated. How many first time people here like been here like a month or less to awaken? Come on. That's amazing. Give it give it like the P90X challenge. Like stay here for 90 days. Like at least through the holidays. It's going to get uncomfortable before it gets better. No, it's going to be good. This I I don't honestly I'm I'm so blessed. I don't know another church besides this church. Now, I found this church way too late in my life. I didn't get saved till I was 30, almost 31, 10 years ago to last month. And I didn't know that church could be like this. And, and I would just say, stay here and watch the fruit, the people in your life, the people in your community. This is a good house with good fruit. And, and what, what I'll say is if you try to stay planted, you won't grow very much. I'm sorry, if you try to stay potted, if you try to just stay in a pot, like kind of like, I'll stay here a little bit, but I'll be a little reserved, you will not experience the fullness of God or the fullness of church. So I would say get planted in this house. It is an incredible house. Are you guys ready for Christmas? I know my wife is. How, how many people already have a Christmas tree up? Okay. Those are, those are my wife's people right there. I can almost deal with that, but I cannot deal with Hallmark movies already. How, how, thank, yes. Here's the, here's the story, I'll ruin it for you. The guy in a coma wakes up, falls in love, they all get married, don't, you don't need to watch 30 versions of that. Hallmark movies are the worst. I'm supposed to be teaching out gratitude and I'm, I'm already complaining. This not a good start. <laughs> hey, we are in a series called Grateful. And it's been really awesome for me to kind of dive deeper into reminding myself to be grateful, reminding myself to be thankful, to remind myself to not take for granted the things I have in my life. And, and I learned that early on because um, some of you know you've heard my mom died when I was young. So, so I have learned a little bit of that, but it's, it's crazy how quickly you can start to take little things for granted. Um, if I wanted to land this anywhere today, if I wanted anything for you to take from this tonight, it was that you would leave more grateful and more hopeful. 
And, and what, what I've found is that when I encounter God, when I hear from God, that always happens. I'm always more grateful because I have a better perspective of what he's doing in my life. And I'm always more hopeful that he's continuing to do great things in my life. So that, that would be my prayer today is that you would leave more grateful and more hopeful. And it, if you've come to Awaken for a little while, I think we do a pretty good job of being grateful. But it, you don't have to go too far outside these walls to realize that our culture doesn't do that very well. And, and it's not always that person's fault. I mean, we live in a culture just full of instant gratification, convenience. At the, I mean, if you wanted a chalupa right now, you could have somebody Uber eats it to you in like 10 minutes. And depending on like how you bought it, you probably don't even have to pay for it right now. You could like pay a quarter today, a quarter tomorrow, finance it for like the next 75 years. It's like, I, I probably have a drone dropping off Amazon packages at my house right now. But it's, it's funny how this convenience and this instant gratification, we can get sucked into like, oh, I, I absolutely need that right now. And then we have a house or a closet or a garage or a phone just full of things that we're not even grateful for. And it, 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 we rush through things. We, we blast through meetings. We blast through dinners. We blast through church all to get to the next thing. And, and I wonder in this series if we could slow down a little bit. And not honestly, like it's, it's not enough that once a year at Thanksgiving, you go around a table and say, this is what we're thankful for. Like that isn't really a lifestyle. That's like, that's like a forced habit. And, and I think we would be better off in our own lives and our culture would be better off if we showed them how to be grateful. You know, I think if our, if our society, if our culture needed anything right now, what I think it needs is hope. Uh, every time I see something crazy on Instagram or some video of some woke people going nuts, I, I just realize they've lost hope. And the Bible is very, very clear. In Proverbs 13, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So honestly, we're dealing with a sickness. To me, the, great, the real pandemic, the real sickness is hopelessness. The, the thing that, that I think we need to address more than anything that we need to bring a cure for is hopelessness. What, what I've realized in my life is that hope and gratitude are connected. Most of us don't know how good we have it until something's gone. And, and what I've realized is that in this culture of comparison and familiarity, you can lose gratitude like overnight. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a quote on on comparison that is pretty wild if you let this sink in. It says, comparison is an act of violence against yourself. Comparison is an act of violence against yourself. The quickest way to lose thankfulness about something is to start to compare yourself to somebody else. But how easy is that to do that? I mean, there are a thousand apps just bludging you with a feed of things to compare yourself against. It's, it's like an act of war against your peace and your joy and your gratitude. I'm sure you would have heard that familiarity breeds contempt. But what does that actually mean? It means that you can get so close to something, you can have so much knowledge with it, you can get so familiar with it that you actually start to hate it and think of it as worthless. Your friendships, your marriage, your business, your coworkers, your parents, your health, you, we can start to very quickly through comparison and familiarity, familiarity just steal all of our joy and all of our gratitude. 
So, so why would we do a series on gratefulness? Because we need to be more grateful. And we need to show the world how to be grateful. What, what I believe the cure for hopelessness is gratefulness. The cure for hopelessness would be gratefulness. In, in Psalms 27, it says this. It said, I would have lost hope. I would have lost hope had I not believed I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I had this anchored over my wife and I's wall when we dealt with miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. Another translation says, I remained confident. You cannot remain confident if you don't remain uh, grateful. You, to remain confident, you need to remain grateful. What, what I've realized through men's prayer, through God's stories, is that if I can't see his goodness, I will not see his hope. The psalmist is saying it right there. He said, the only reason I don't give up hope is that I believe I'll see his goodness. The Bible teaches us very clearly how we get into God's presence is through praise and thanksgiving. So if I don't have thanksgiving, if I don't have praise, then I'm not in his presence. So if I can't see him, then I can't see his goodness. I can't see his hope. So how do I get back into his presence? It's through praise and through thanksgiving. It's really honestly the God story principle. What I've found is that I need to constantly remind myself of what God has already done to bring me to hope that he's still moving in my life. That's why we do God stories. In, in Philippians 1.6, he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So what, what are you grateful for? And I don't want to rush that. I intentionally pause. What, what are you thankful for? As you look back, what are you thankful for? As you look back to your childhood, as you look back to high school, as you look back to college, as you look back to the early days of dating with your wife, as you look back to when your kid was young, what are some of your favorite memories? What I find is, is rarely the things I was worried about. It's, these, it's the little things. I would give everything to have my mom's grilled cheese sandwich. And I, and I don't even know that it was that good. But, but what I find is that we need to constantly remind ourselves that God's been good and remind ourselves that there were times where we thought he wasn't moving and he definitely was. Amen? That's all just a precursor to the message. So what, what I found as I was prepping for this is, is God was saying, Mike, what, what were you the most thankful for this year? And it's, it'll sound Christianese almost. It'll sound cliche, but it's this church. Because I got saved in this church. And my life has been radically different because of the incredible friendships, leadership, pastoring, healings, miracles, things that I've seen in this church. And I cannot imagine where my life would be without it. This is, like I said, this is the only church I know and, and I will never leave because I will refuse to let myself be offended, be moved, be moved off of this because I will remain grateful for what this house did for me, for what God did for me. So the, the, the story that I constantly come back to that brings me gratitude is the story of the prodigal son. And, and what I like to do when I read the Bible is put myself into the stories. And, and I would encourage you to try to do that. Like, what would it feel like if you were the kid whose lunch fed thousands? Like, what, what would, 
the next time you brought your lunch somewhere, like, what would you be thinking? Like, the next time you were trying to be generous to somewhere and you thought you didn't have enough, like, how radical would that second, third, fourth time he showed up somewhere with lunch money? When, when he got to be a businessman, how radical was his faith around, I don't think I have enough this month. Well, hold on, remember? Remember my lunch fed like 5,000 people? So I don't know, that's just the way I think when I read this with the Bible. I, I used to get frustrated because I could never keep up with Bible plans. I would get like two words into it and I'd be like, all right, I need to process that. And I'd be like, shoot, I'm 25 days behind this plan. Don't tell Pastor Sam I'm behind in his reading plan. It's so funny when he says my reading plan, it's actually his reading plan. It's a great reading plan. You should look, look up following Jesus, the, the reading plan. But anyways, so I'm going to read through this story for those of you who haven't heard. And what's funny is even, even just calling it the parable of the prodigal son, God said, hold on, I didn't call him that. You called him that. I only ever called him two things. Once was lost and the second was son. And it's funny the things that we'll project on the stories and the weight and the religiosity and the things that we'll start to cover into stories. But this is one of my favorite stories. So it's, this is in Luke 15. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. My son's like that. My son's three. He opens up the refrigerator and he's like, give me that. I'm like, it's five in the morning, son. You cannot have another thing of ice cream. But, you know, it's funny when you, when you look at how we start to think how we speak to God. It, it starts to become, God, if you would just. But he, even when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he says, give me our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. There, there's a vocabulary in here that I think we need to remind ourselves of. And, and to not put God as the father that we think is arms crossed resistant. It's the father who said, everything in my house is yours. Anyways, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. It's, it's funny, how tempting the world is to tell you that it has all you need, that, that somehow you could be fed and satisfied in the world and, and you absolutely cannot be. There, there's never enough of the thing the world is tempting you with to feed you, to, to not leave you hungry, to not leave you in famine. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, one uh, who sent him the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods the pigs were eating, and this is what is wild to me, but no one gave him anything. The world promises it can give you everything, but this son who left a place where he had everything found a world that said, I will give you nothing. It's like a bait and switch of the enemy. I'll tempt you out here, but as soon as you get out here and you're desperate, I have nothing for you. When the son came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? I want to anchor on that for a second. It is the servants of the house that attracted the son back. Do not tell me that the prosperity of you in church is not attractive to draw people back to the house. I need someone's life who is pulled together and doing well for me to want to go back to the house. 
a poor, broken version of a servant would not have attracted the son back home. It was, it was a servant who was thriving, who had excess. The, the world will try to spin that that's somehow poverty, prosperity, I'm uh, sorry, a prosperity gospel. No, it's, it's the gospel. He said, I'm here starving to death. I'll sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy. Look at how not only did the world not give him anything, it stole his identity. He went out as a son and very quickly he said, no, you're not, you're not even that. The thing your dad calls you, you're not that. You, will, you are not a son, you're a slave. Go back and be a slave. And this is where it gets good. He said, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best. I was never taught that that was God's response to me coming to him. I was more like, once you get your stuff figured out, then you can come to God. But look at how beautiful his response is. Quick, not like, not like hey, 30 days, get sober, then come to me. Like immediately bring out the best. I'm gonna give you the best of what I have. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine who was dead is now alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, there was an older son in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. He called the servants and asked him what's going on. He said, your brother's come home. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he found he's back home safe and sound. If the keys could come up um, whenever, you, whenever you feel ready. I just sound better when you're here. <laughs> the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And look, the father, the father went out again. I, I love that the father is the first to go. The father is the first to go. He pleaded with him. He said, Father, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed orders, but you never gave me, the same vocabulary, never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? The father's response to me is one of my favorite lines in the whole Bible. He says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. It's honestly a story of two pretty ungrateful kids. Right? But what I love about it is I, I, I see myself in both of them. I, I see myself, not, not, as, not as much anymore, but I see myself as a prodigal. I, I see myself wanting to rebel against what God wants me to do. I see myself trying to force my way out of the boundaries and the home that he's created to do it on my own. I, I see myself being wasteful and reckless with the things he's given me. And, and I, I see myself as the older brother sometimes, like bitter, boring, religious, judgmental, jealous, And, and there's something unique in here that, that 
God revealed to me that I want to I want to press on it for a second. It's it's more with the prodigal son, the, the lost son. Is what would it have been like on day two? You've done the in your mind the worst thing you've ever done. You've wasted everything that you've been given, and you've been lost in all hope. And you thought you were going to come back home and be a slave. And your father did something radical. What? What would that have felt like? You wake up in what used to be your room, pillow comes off, your head comes off the pillow, and you look around and last night you were homeless, now you're a son in a palace. I wonder what he would have been grateful for. I wonder what he would have been thankful for. God asked me to write a letter to the father as the son on day two. So the title of my message is Dear Dad. And I'm gonna probably cry because my dad is here. Dear Dad, I woke up today in a place I thought I'd never be welcome back to. If I was honest, this was my home, but I never really treated it like that. I took for granted our home and I took for granted you. I took for granted so many of the seemingly simple things. I used your kindness and provision like a personal vending machine. I, I rushed through meals with you. I cut short our conversations. I squirmed when you tried to hug me. I, I brushed off your affection. I ignored your voice thinking that you didn't understand what I was going through. But I see now that it was me who didn't understand. I see now your thoughts were above my thoughts. I see now your ways were above my ways. While I was away, I was cold and I was thirsty and I was hungry and I was lonely and I had lost all hope. Nothing I turned to came close to what it felt like when I was at home, what it felt like in your arms. At home, I was never cold. I'm thankful that your presence always brought warmth and peace. When I was at home, I was never hungry. You always had the best for me. But I was afraid to come back because what would you say? I see now that even though I left, you never left me. Even though I rejected you, you never rejected me. I see now what I should have been grateful for. I'm thankful you never gave up on me, that you loved me even through my mess. I'm thankful that you saw the best of me even when I was at my worst. I'm thankful that instead of justice, you gave me mercy. Yesterday, you did more for me than I deserved. You forgave me. You restored me, you empowered me, you celebrated me. You also healed me. You gave me a new perspective and a new purpose and a new destiny. I am forever grateful. I am forever hopeful. I am forever your son. So I don't really have any points to this message, 
like a traditional message, but I, I do wanna tell you the things that I'm grateful for because this was my story coming back here. I'm grateful for a father who never gives up hope. See, the father would have had to every day be running outside to see if today was the day his son came home. I'm thankful for a father who always sees the best. When I came back, he didn't see a screw up. He didn't even see me in my mess. The Bible says he saw his son, but I think it's more than just a literal thing. It's not just that he just saw him. It's that he saw everything that he was. He saw the best in him. I'm thankful that the father gets messy. I'm thankful that he's not a sterile, distant, cold God that says like, once you clean up, come to me. It's so beautiful to me that he ran and met him in the dirt. I mean, he would have been covered in mud and slop and pig and everything. And the father did not care. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for a God who will get into my mess. I'm thankful for a father who will pull me up from the things that I've been, that I can't get out of myself. I'm thankful for a father who forgives. Because if he hadn't forgiven me, I wouldn't have forgiven myself. I, I would have carried shame that I felt I deserved to carry for the rest of my life. But because he forgave, I started to realize that I could forgive myself and I could forgive other people. I'm thankful for a father that restores and empowers. Because it wouldn't have been enough for the son to just come home and be some weak, broken version of himself. Everything he did was to restore his identity, restore his authority, restore his purpose, empower him to say, you are a son and you have a destiny to fulfill and I will do everything to make sure you do that. I'm thankful for a father that celebrates. Could you imagine if this happened in this cancel culture world? You can't even write an email 10 years ago and not get canceled. Could you imagine if one of the most influential leaders, businessmen, distinguished, full of notoriety men would have thrown a party for his son after he did that with his life? Like Instagram would have gone crazy. But God doesn't care about that. He said, no, my son's back home. We have to celebrate, he said. And, and, and I didn't know a church that could celebrate that. I had not been introduced to a church that would make me feel okay that me coming back home was something to celebrate. I came head down until I found a church that said, no, lift your head up. Lift your head up. And last, I'm thankful for a father who not only gives his best, but his all. And this is honestly a picture of Jesus. God gave his only and his best. It would have been one thing if he gave his best coat and had like 10 more of the best coats. But that last line to the elder son said, everything I have is yours. And, and the, what I wanna 
encourage us in is, is this is not a story, honestly, about just a father and a son. If you look at who Jesus is preaching to, he's not preaching to a bunch of lost people. He's actually preaching to the church. He's teaching the religious guys, this is how you need to be. When you go out into the world to the people that you've been judging, your response needs to be the response of the Father. He's saying when you see somebody who's lost, who's in a mess, who's broken, who's hurting, I'm calling you to do that. And he's also saying, do not become the older son. Do not stay stuck in my house, but not experiencing everything I have for you. Do not get bitter and judgmental and frustrated about the new person that came in. That is not what I've called you to do. I'm gonna close here and, and I wanna pray for, for two groups of people. If, if you've ever left church before, ever left home, now is the time to come back. Do not wait another day. Look, look at what you're missing and look at what the world is trying to bait you with. You came here tonight for a reason. And if you've never left the house, but you know internally you feel distant from the Father, you feel frustrated, you feel overlooked, I wanna ask you what, what does he have that he's already given you access to that you've taken for granted? And the last thing is if you're a parent, a dad, a mom, a brother, a sister, and you're believing for someone to come home, don't give up. Do not give up. And I, I honestly, I wanna, I wanna ask you, if that's you, I wanna pray for you. I want, would you stand? And we wanna pray together, believing that in this season, we would see the raddest revival in our city, in our families, in our homes. And if you have somebody next to you, I want you to stretch out your arms to them and pray with them. Pray like it's your, like it's your family member that you wanna come home. God, I thank you for every person that's standing for every family that's represented. God, we call those that are lost home in the name of Jesus. God, we call those who have been tempted to leave back home. God, and let it be the light on our lives. Let it be the love of you. Let it be the goodness of God that draws them back in. God, we prophesy that by, by, by for Christmas, homes would be full, God. We would not have an empty table, an empty seat at a dinner table, God. We would have sons and daughters coming back home, God. We thank you that you are moving mighty on our hearts right now. We intercede on their behalf and we call them back in Jesus' name. God, we, we, we bind the enemy that would try to steal, kill, or destroy. That's trying to bring confusion around something political or something religious. God, we thank you that it is your goodness and your love that casts out fear. God, we love you. We thank you that this, this building will be full of sons and daughters coming back home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do one last thing, and it's to ask you if, if you've never responded to Christ, or if, even if you feel like you know you did, but you, you feel like tonight's the night to come back home, I wanna give you a chance to respond. 
The, the, the greatest thing that the son did was he turned back home. There's a real heavy word that we use sometimes called repentance that simply means returning back, turning around. And that's all we have to do is simply change where we were going and turn back home. I wanna, I wanna ask you if, if anything that I said tonight moved you, tonight's the night to respond. I'm gonna ask you actually to come down here and join me. We usually count to three, we have you raise your hands, but I feel like on a Wednesday night, with the perspective of how good God is and how, how many things we can be grateful for, I wanna ask you if that's you tonight and you wanna come back home to come down here. Would you join me right now? Would you stand up and come down here? Even if it's one, we can wait. Even if it's one, we can wait. That's all right. I'll give it a few more seconds if that's you. I, I believe, you know, honestly, it, it, it's not coming down here. Are you coming down? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if she can do it, I, I believe there's more. If she can come down, I believe you can come down. I came down, and it was the best thing I ever did. Come on, church, we're gonna stretch our hands out. Even one is worth celebrating. What? Come on, we got more coming down? Come on. Come on, church, let's give them a round of applause. I'm so proud of you. Come on, there, there's a party here and there's a party in heaven. And, and what I know is that your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. The greatest healing, the greatest freedom, the greatest peace, the greatest hope I had was when I came down here. Come on, we're gonna pray together as a church and I'm gonna ask you guys to repeat after me. Jesus, I thank you what you did for me on that cross. You died for me so I could be forgiven, set free, and at home with you. Today, I dedicate my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.